And joining us on the backpack this week, all the way from Tel Aviv, is Australian football identity. He's been off the shores since 2018, I believe. Michael Valkanis. Michael, thanks for your time and thank you for joining us from Tel Aviv. Hi, mate. No, all good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. So, Michael, how about Tel Aviv, where you are currently? You've just started the season there. How are you finding life in Tel Aviv? How are you finding Hapoel Tel Aviv? Yeah, look, uh, uh, I didn't know much about Israel before this opportunity came up. And, and uh, now that I'm here, I absolutely love it. Tel Aviv is uh, a fantastic place uh, to be in and to live. A really beautiful city, uh, a beach culture, and very laid back, very laid back. And uh, it's a little bit of uh, both worlds of uh, growing up in Australia and a little bit of my, my time that I've spent in groups of various uh, to the Tel Aviv way of life. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And, and Hapoel, Hapoel is just a, a, a huge club to be at with so many supporters, such a big supporter base that I really can't believe it, that he's a, a club that um, I'm really excited to be at, first of all, because of the supporter base and the passion that exists for this club, uh, a club with so much success in the past and, you know, where in the last decade things haven't gone too well for him and, and they were hopefully... Um, putting in the work that in the next, you know, one, two, three years is a bit of a change and Hubwell is is back to where it should be. Yeah, it's fascinating to see an Australian coach manage in Israel. There's been a few Australian football links in recent years, more on the playing side, of course, the likes of Nikita Rukovitsa and Trent Sainsbury spent some time there. What's it like moving over there and the tasks that you've been assigned to try and revive this great club that was relegated not too long ago and... You say one of the biggest clubs in Israel, and yeah, it's just a massive job on your hands. How proud are you to be in charge of this club? How daunting is the task ahead? Yeah, look, I think um, uh, if 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 I had to do it 10, 15 years ago when I first started coaching, probably would have been quite daunting. Um, all the experiences that I had in, in the various leagues and, and working with some really good people and, and learning along the way has put me in a position now that I'm quite comfortable and I believe in the processes that, that I've got to put in place for the club. And obviously, uh, the people that employed me have got a uh, big belief in, in the way I work and the way I do things. So I'm, I'm quite comfortable with being at such a big club and wanting to to help it get back to where it's supposed to be. And look, we I hit the ground running with the people that I'm working with straight away. And we we straight away found out what a big job it is. <laughs> the supporters make that loud and clear. <laughs> and you know, we've we've had our our issues to start off with, but we tend to believe that with the you know the work we've been doing so far, we've we've we started pretty well, which is great, and we're looking forward to the rest of the season. But it's it is it's a huge task, but it's also an exciting challenge, a really exciting challenge. And as a coach, when you actually visually see where you want to be in six months, where you want to be in twelve months, it really excites you, and it gets your juices going. You're ready to get to work early in the morning and and just do the grind that is required now early on, and, and to put in place um, what what I believe is the most important that is. The environment and fixing the environment so that uh, we we put the right foundations in place for the right football we want to play. You mentioned the start to the season, so a win uh, last start and a draw in the first round. So two you know two matches played and undefeated, which is you know good way to start. Uh, right. What have you taken out of those uh, first two league games? Yeah, look, it's it's not only the two league games; it's uh, even the the preseason competition mm. leading into it, and we've had to to manage. Uh, 
a, a strange situation, a first time for me, and and obviously always great to learn from in terms of the preseason we had. You know, a lot of games in 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 a one week. We had three games in one week many times, and we've mm-hmm. had a smaller squad to deal with with a lot of younger players that we believe in developing and bringing through our system because we've got a lot of academy players that we put through and and really good players. And at the same time, a lot of our uh, experienced players and and you know players that can really make a difference and help out have been out with long term injuries. So we've had to manage their time coming through now during the preseason and. In games and it, it's been a bit of a, a juggling act uh, trying to put out our strongest team in terms of preparing them for the league and also giving match time to to get match fit plays that we really need for the league so all in all you know we, we had some great games where we were a little bit unlucky in the preseason not to get wins uh, where we dominated and we created many chances but didn't score goals but that's part of the process and learning process. And to start off the league with a draw away from home was, you know, one that everyone expected us to get the three points. But round one is always tough. And there are some always some tough results in round one. And it's never easy going away from home. But, of course, we've got demanding supporters and we all demand that you win all the time. That's <laughs> just the way it is. Mm-hmm. We, on the other hand, have to keep by our plan and keep building and keep believing in the process we're putting in place. And in the in the second round, it was great to play another very good team, Netanya. Who have done really well in terms of how they've they've set up their club in the last year and a half, and yeah, we had a really good, uh, inspiring, attacking win that that got the, the the crowd really excited. And it's been a great week having the international week and a bit of a break. You know, just I've got to enjoy this win a little bit longer than what a coach usually does, because usually the next day you're already concentrating on the next game. And this week we've been able to enjoy it, and you know, even walking out on the streets and so on, you get all these people, you know, ah, well done, fantastic, that's what we want, and the smile on their faces. So, and that's what it's about, you know, putting the smile on people's faces, and and they absolutely love it because a lot. Like we mentioned before, it is a it's a huge club here, and they've not had too much success in the last decade. So every win, they just really, really enjoy. So that's part of it. That's the bigger picture that we, you know, just keep having really good performances and, and getting three points. And I'd like to ask about some of those background processes. And managers always talk about the process with the team and implementing the plan, and the training, and everything that goes into it. But in researching for this, it appears as though that Arpoel tend to go a bit more with a database scouting approach, similar to some other clubs that are perhaps a bit more forward with their approach to it. And some would call it a money ball. Some would call it um, smart scouting. How has that changed your perspective on management? Is it something that you're familiar with from, from some of your times at other clubs? And also, a bit of a tie-in for a double question here, is there any sort of data sharing with Plymouth Argyle, who I believe are owned by the same owners as for Arpoil? Yeah, look, I think that's where it all sort of began for they were with Plymouth uh, I think since maybe a few months now they've they've moved on from there our owners oh okay but yep. um yeah the, the data yeah the, the data scouting and so on is pretty big and with our American owners you know money ball they, they really believe in it and so on and I think um, there's there's been proof in the pudding in the past with a lot of clubs that have gone that way that you know it does work yeah it's it's an interesting one because I I'm I'm pretty open-minded as a coach and I tend to like looking at data, whether it's physical or football data, and I try to to, to process it all with the the ability of my own to, to observe and to look at how I think, see things and then try to see the data perspective. A lot of times, you know, with, with players, you get a, a good idea of the type of player you want, you want just by 
observing. That's that's the truth as a coach, and all coaches are like that. And um, then you get an even more bigger idea in terms of speaking to the players. So data data can be helpful. There's no doubt about that. And especially uh, physical data can tell you quite a bit about you know the, their physical output and what they're able to do and the type of player you want. Um, from a physical perspective, with a with a game model you have, but at the same time, you know the the football data tells you. But by observing, you can, you can see most of the time it confirms what what you're seeing. But the one thing certainly data doesn't always tell you is uh, the heart, the passion, and their their winning mentality. And that's uh, something that you're going to find out. You know, uh, from talking to the player and, and getting to see things day in day out, and getting to observe how they go about their game and their body language and you know, you can you, you tend to see a, a mentality, but I'm open-minded with all that sort of stuff, um, and I and I tend to like having really good discussions, even with the data scouts, in terms of you know how they see it through through data and how I see it through my eyes, and we've had some really good discussions, and um, it's just the process that the club believes in, and and that that's okay, and and I'll tend to put my my case forward a lot of times as well in what I believe, and. Uh, I like the fact that a lot of our players come through our academy as well, which is fantastic as well, because I, I, I believe in, in having your own blood, your own players from, from your own academy coming through and being that passion that they bring onto the pitch and that uh, that energy and that excitement that they'll bring in. And even this morning, I was at the academy watching watching some of the games and it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see a lot of the other younger players coming through. So, yeah, I, I got off a little bit off the track in terms of data and so on, but yeah. Uh, observing is pretty pretty strong as well. I, I tend to believe. It's all right, Michael. It's not uncommon on this podcast to go off the track. <laughs> <laughs> we we tend to go down the you know veer off some paths on occasions. So it's fascinating to hear your approach to data and further to your coming to the Israeli league. What attracted you to Hapoel Tel Aviv and the opportunity there? Like, how did you come across it? Just for those of us who you know have been following from afar. Yeah, look, I, I was working at Aspire. At the, at the time, and it came across through uh, a Dutch Greek agent that I know mm-hmm. uh, since the days at uh, Pegs Wall and, and also in the uh, Greek national team. And he told me about this opportunity, and I looked at it and I thought, okay, let me do my research and my homework uh, because I was in a role that I was quite comfortable in and in football, and it just excited me straight away. And it comes back to having a look at not only history and how big a club they are, and and also uh, the supporter base. Like I said, is just absolutely huge. You know, we we in Australia would never have realised, and mm. even now coming and and googling and doing my research and asking people that I know that are from Israel, and I I spoke to my Israeli youth coach that I had you know many many years ago when I was seventeen years of age, Sam Meyer down in South Melbourne, and. He was he was he had such an impact on my own career, and he said to me, Michael, that was my childhood team growing up. You know, you have to go, 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 do this job. You're gonna love it. It's a big club, and, and you know, you start then um, learning about the battles that have with Maccabi Tel Aviv and and Haifa and Beersheba and where you know the, the crowd where they want to be back up there again. Nothing's changed from from those days as a youngster growing up in the South Melbourne Juniors or playing for South Melbourne Seniors and. Yeah. Inside of you, you know, you want to be with the best. You want to be up top. You want to be performing under pressure. And also that uh, that challenge as a player that you have as well. You know, my whole life being a professional player, yeah, you, you love wanting to be playing, to be up on top and playing for titles and playing under pressure and playing under enormous crowds. You know, on the, on the 
on the weekend's game where, where we beat Matanya 2 0. And I walked out with the team um, uh, following him out. And it was just this humongous, all the ultras and the crowd was huge. And I was just non stop. And I turned around to my assistant and said, Geez, I'd love to be playing right now. How could you not love wanting to be a player? Playing in front of this crowd and, and representing this crowd. And you've got the opportunity of making them happy. Just go out there and play for your lives. You know, go out there and play. You're a Hupwell player. What, what have you got? What are you afraid of? Just play. And look, that, that's what coaching brings as well. That's the closest you're going to get to playing again on the sideline. So I absolutely loved it. Felt great. And yeah, that, that's what it means, being at this club and the challenge that we have. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm sure you got to pinch yourself every time you walk out onto the touchline to be in such an environment, in such a massive club when there is a lot of responsibility that goes with it. And speaking generally about yourself as an Australian manager, we have a lot of movement, I suppose, in perhaps your peers, the likes of Kevin Muscat and Ash Bostokoglu and maybe slightly an adopted Aussie in Nick Montgomery, if you want to put it that way. Is there a, a bit of a yeah. um, a change in perspective, a change in reputation perhaps within Australian managerial ranks compared to the rest of the world? Yeah, look, I remember even when I left for, for Holland as an assistant with, with John Van Schip, it was like, okay, even when I went there and I got interviewed and so on, it was like, okay, who's this Aussie you know, from the other side of the world? What's what's he going to do more than what our own know? You know, we're from Europe. So, yeah. And I quickly noticed that even when I started working in Holland, that we're right up there. We're right up there. We, you know, we've got nothing to be fearful of making that step and, and taking a gamble to go and coach in Europe. Even though it's, yeah, it is difficult to get a job. There's no doubt about it. There's so many pro coaches looking for jobs and so on. And, and you've got to do the hard work. You've got to do build your CV and show that you've got experience and so on because they're not just going to give you a job because you're an Aussie. It's not going to work that way. But I, I really believe that we do the hard yards in Australia. We really do the hard yards because we, we we tend to think we're so far away. We're so far away from it all in Europe that we, we, we watch game after game and we try to improve ourselves and we read on everything. And, and you know, we, we do extra hours on the pitch as youth coaches and senior coaches. And, we, and we've always been ambassadors of the game. And so right through my South Northern days to the A-League days in Adelaide, you know, we've always been ambassadors trying to promote the game. So what does that mean? We're always doing clinics at schools. We're always doing holiday clinics. We're always coaching. It doesn't matter whether it's 10-year-olds, whether it's 18-year-olds, whether it's senior football. We do our bit because we absolutely love the game. Even with what, what Andrew's doing at the moment, I think it's absolutely amazing. You know, he's, look, I think a long time ago, he, he should have been regarded as one of the best mm-hmm. of his time. Mm. Uh, I don't think he had to go to Yokohama, uh, Celtic and Tottenham to prove it. I think after what he did, even with Brisbane, uh, it was enough to show that he's got something special in him to to, to create something special in football because, you know, he did inspire coaches like myself um, in terms of, okay, I remember at the time, you know, like we were watching Barcelona under Pep Guardiola and if you said to anyone in Australia that you're going to try and make a team try to play this type of football, now we're not saying that they're going to play exactly like like Barcelona, but they're going to play an attractive, dominating, possession-style type of game. They, they looked at you like crazy. It can't happen here. We're not technically good enough. And then all of a sudden, Ange goes and does it with, with Brisbane, and it just inspires a whole new generation of young coaches, I think, in Australia as well, that, yeah, it is possible. And uh, look, you know, hopefully he's he's flying the flag now and it's, it's going to show that there are some Australians out there that, that know about football and they can coach. And coaching is not only about a, a style of playing a football philosophy, but it's about leadership, isn't it? It's about leading people. It's about leading 
you know, people through a challenge to try and create something special. So, and he's shown that again and again. And hopefully, you know, they, they tend to realise that we're not going to, we're not only good at cooking barbecues, but <laughs> we, we're pretty good at coaching as well. And there's a lot of good coaches out there at the moment. And hopefully that keeps happening because it'll be fantastic for, for our nation. Michael, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Andrew's um, stint as well with um, the national team as well. And, and you've been an assistant with the Greek national team. And how did you found the difference between club football and the uh, the national team structures? Yeah. Um, look, the biggest difference is the day-to-day work that yeah. I absolutely missed. And you know, I love going in every day and being with the players every day. And, and you know, you got your challenges of your of your daily football stuff and 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 getting the team ready for the game that's coming up on the Saturday or the Sunday, I, I love that. But there's also that 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 amazing feeling of of listening to the national anthem and representing your whole country and preparing your team to go to battle for your country. And you're listening to the national anthem and you realise, even as a player, when that happened to me, the Socceroos, or now you know with the national Greek national team, when you just hear the national anthem, you go, wow, okay. This is really on now. You know, the whole nation mm-hmm. is watching. And even with with Greece at the time, it was it was absolutely huge, mate. Because we we made a big change to that mm-hmm. national team, a big change. We brought in a lot of young players. There was a lot of criticism at the beginning, and even then, there was criticism that the Greeks cannot play attacking football. You know, they're only used to playing a defensive style, counter attacking style, and and we changed the whole mentality, mm-hmm. the whole thing, and bringing in a lot of young players. And apart from last night's result, which was a you know not not great, and in the mm. last probably in a half years we haven't seen a result like that. Yeah. Um. You know this young team has done really well, really yeah. well, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that even if they don't qualify this way, they will qualify for the Euros. Yeah. There's no doubt about it, and and they will go to a, a big um uh, competition, whether it's the World mm. Cup or the Euros in the next couple of years, because there's just great talent and and I say young because it is a youngish team but with not so much experience as the previous one but you know and look with a national team some of you are dealing with amazing players other the quality yeah. of players you're dealing with and you can just change tactics like that and they get it they've got a different understanding and mm. that was really it was great working with national team but um, I, I dearly miss that day-to-day stuff and mm. day-to-day stuff from me wasn't watching games on video again and again and watching individual players and watching you know 50 games a week that's great and we love football but I love being out on the pitch I love talking to players I love you know helping them out listening to where they need to improve and and, and giving them advice on how we can do things better mm. that that's football for me and that's what I miss but it was a great experience the national team you know like I watched it last night I went home mm. after a function that we had here at Upwell and I watched it and it's like uh, I'm still part of it because a lot of that team is yeah it's mm. 98% is the same it's the yeah. team we we put together so um, yeah there's a good feeling about it but yeah that, that's the biggest difference is the workload and but then the the workload when you get into camp when you actually get into camp for those nine ten days man, it's like you're working for a month it's non-stop. It is unbelievable. So you could be off for the whole month just analysing, watching players, preparing the camp. But then once you're on camp, you, you don't stop. You need you need a week to recover afterwards. And the, 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 the stress, the pressure of getting everything done properly, you know, wanting to know how you're going to implement ABC as quick as possible. It, it's amazing the workload on camp. But it was also a great experience because it teaches you how to simplify things right down because you've got to get that information across in limited amount of time. You don't get much time on the pitch. You've got a little bit of time off the pitch and, you know, you've got to find your way to get that information through to the players and, and get them prepared. But 
yeah, it, it, it was great. It taught me a lot, taught me a lot, and I think it also helped me become a much better coach. I would hazard a guess is one of the benefits of being involved in a national team setup is that you have to have a more refined plan, a more refined yeah. style. You mentioned the short time you have to work with the players. You can't be going on a, a month-long process because you haven't got the players for that amount of time. Were you forced to sort of trim things down from the way, the style of football that you wanted to play or some things you wanted to implement but you just didn't have the time for? How much have you had to refine your approach to coaching when you were a part of the Greek setup? And have you been able to add those things perhaps back in new and improved stepping back into club football? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey from going from Australia to Holland. When Australia you got maybe a four to six month preseason to implement something, and then you go to Holland, you got one month, and then you know then then you come to Hopewell and you got one month. But and but that's where the Greek national team helped me a lot, but also my experience um, in Holland with a one-month preseason, but also uh, in Belgium when I had to come in mm. and to sort of refine things right down. Bang, bang, we had, you know, a small amount of time to try and survive and, and stay in the league. So, But with a national team, it teaches you to refine that and get down, simplify it, make it as – you're always going to be clear whether it's long-term or not. You have to be clear, but in terms of the methodology you use and and the type of visuals you use to teach the players exactly what you want and, and to make it as simple as possible. But, um, yeah, you, you tend to get better at it um, when you look at it 12 years ago compared to now. Yeah, and, and that's experience, I think, and and in particular with the national team. Okay, it's a little bit of both. Though. Like I said, the quality of players is another level as well. You're getting the best from the best, and that's with every national team, regardless of which national team it is. doesn't matter where they're ranked. It's yeah. the best of the best. And they're just different quality of players and a different understanding. And... Um, but in, in, in saying that, you, when you're working with the best, you've got to be good at what you do as well because they can find you out pretty quick. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it, it, no, that's been a huge experience working with the Greek national team and how that's helped me as a coach, no doubt about it. And how did you find working in Greece, being of Greek heritage like myself, you know, but born yeah. in Australia, going to, you know, the um, the country of your, your uh, heritage, how did you find working in that system and with the Greek Federation, how did it differ to Australia aside from the fact that, you know, the the approach to, to football in this in Australia, how did you find the setup, uh, you know, in Greece and working with the Greek clubs against the Australian clubs and the A-League system and, you know, and, and how did you find all that interaction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good question. You <laughs> um, tend to find that... that the A-League and all the clubs are working towards helping the Socceroos and, and then you come to the Greek Federation and you tend to find that all the bigger clubs are, are fighting against, you know, trying to see, you know, who you're selecting and you're not helping this club, you're not helping that club. And and I, and I came with John in terms of how he was very blunt, this is the way it's going to be done. And we set the rules very early and I think they realised that, you know, with the changes we made straight after camp number one, that they're going to be no pushovers. So we 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 had our, the battles from the media point of view and certain mm. clubs, uh, you know, trying to put the pressure on us. But we didn't waver. We just stuck to our plan and and we did what we had to do. So yeah, it was it was there's you know, and that experience as well teaches you now for you know when you come to Israel and the beating yeah. is pretty tough as well. Um, but we we stuck to our guns. We stuck to our beliefs, and we stuck to the way we thought we're going to we we, we believe we're going to do things in our processes. And and we're so happy even now. You know, when you get messages from players saying thank you, even to today, it shows that we did a good job. You know, I mean, and we're comfortable with that. But it's a it's a difficult task because it it's a real political. Uh, 
problem yeah. in, in missions like that where it's not so easy. Not everyone is is you know behind helping the national team. Mm. It, it's crazy, yeah, you know, it's... and it, there's a lot of problems that come through the media. You know, there's there's media people that are backing these clubs and are complaining that this player is not big. And you see it now. I've just seen Poyet as well go through it yeah. in the last week where certain players weren't picked. And at the end of the day, he's the coach is going to select who he thinks are the right. best. But mm. it's amazing. And now that he's he's had the 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 result against Holland as well it didn't go mm. his way. Mm. I was reading the newspapers this morning. I'm thinking, geez, you know, thank God yeah. I'm not there at the moment. <laughs> that's, but that's the, that's that's the crucible that you know us coaches are in. Mm. It is absolutely crazy. Like mm. sometimes I wonder. We love this so much. We love this sport so much. We're so passionate about it. But sometimes what we put ourselves through. You know, in terms of yeah, the way the media is today and the social media and everyone's got a voice and so on, it, it, we're like gladiators in the Coliseum and the media's either going thumbs down, kill him, or <laughs> thumbs up, yeah, give him another go. You know, it's just amazing sometimes. But, okay, I think that that's, that's part of being a modern mm-hmm. coach, I guess, and mm-hmm. you just got to not listen to it. But it was a very interesting time there in Greece. And like, like I said, you're battling sometimes alone with the federation. It's not like every club is right behind you and they're giving you all the data and all the information you need. No, it doesn't work that way. And that, that's a bit of a pity because I think that if they were more unified, Greece will be a hell of a lot more stronger because there's amazing talent and there's a lot of good young players in Greece. And we showed that with the changes we made. But even when you look at the um, at academy level, and I've been lucky enough because my, my sons were playing and are still playing at that level. And, mm. and I was able to look at a lot of games and observe a lot of games. Mm. You know, sometimes I get jealous at the amount of opportunity Ailey gives to players. And in yeah. Greece, they don't. They don't give opportunities to the younger players and to the younger coaches and yeah. saying that, you know, I've done a lot of articles in the last year in Greece in the media yeah. saying that. Yeah. Give opportunities to your own. There's so many young players. I And I'm going off track. That's, no, that's okay right. with you guys. I look at, you know, 30 years ago when I was playing in Greece and how strong the Greek league was then and how strong the second division was then and how strong the third division mm. was back then and the amount of Greek players playing. And now, I'm sorry, but I look at the smaller clubs in Greece mm-hmm. and I'm not being disrespectful, but, you know, we, we know there's the big four, yep. five and then yep. there's the smaller clubs. The amount of foreign players are playing that are not good enough is ridiculous. Mm. Why wouldn't you be playing your own? Kind. Why wouldn't yeah. you be playing younger players from your academy or younger players from stronger academies that can be loaned out and can play football and you're going to better the national team as well. You're going to better your team and the Greek players will want to give 100% and get that opportunity so they can make a career in football. It's just ridiculous. I, I just can't understand it mm. because the foreigners level that come to a lot of these is not good enough. It's not good enough. So give your own kind of go. Let the Greek players play and give Greek coaches a go. I look at some of the Greek coaches in the academy level, and they are fantastic. And they're mm. bringing some foreigners. It's like recycling, back to this one, back to this one. We're, yeah. we're, we're seeing the same mistakes. And then they suck them, and they get them back, and they suck them again. Give a go to the young coaches. You have to. You mentioned the, the young players, and uh, a point that I wanted to um, to expand on, if we can, depending on your knowledge of it, is uh, how the recent success of the Israeli under-20 side right, in, in the youth yeah. And obviously, you'll be, you know, you'll, you've been exposed to the talent that's coming through in your academy there at Hapoel Tel Aviv. How are you finding the level of um, youth football uh, in, in your academy and, and across Israel? And what have you come across is the success for, was the ingredient for their recent success in, in the under 20 World Cup? Look, I, I can only comment on, on Hapoel's boys mm. and because I see the academy 
day to day. And I look at the, the boys that represented um, uh, the Israeli Under-20 World Cup team, mm. and they're in our starting 11, virtually four out of the five, and sometimes five out of the five are in our yeah. um, starting 11, and they're very good young players. Um, and you can certainly build a team around them and, and hope the best for the future. And that, that's what you should be doing. That's how you're going to have longer-term success. You know, it's like what I said before, you want to bring in your academy players that have that passion, that play for the club and they play for the badge and you build them. The biggest problem for them also is that the pressure and the stress because a big club demands success now. They don't mm. demand success tomorrow or the, in the third year and have the patience. That That's just football and the way it is. And the media play on that as well and they put even more pressure and the media love it. They make more stories out of it and that's, that's fine. But the academy is doing a great job. And the academy does a great job, and I'm talking about Hapoel now in particular, in terms of um, identifying the type of player they want to be the future Hapoel player. So they want to play an attractive, uh, attractive uh, attacking style of play. They're looking for those technical players, and they're not necessarily looking for the big, strong ones. They're looking for the ones that can play football, the ones that are making good decisions, and the ones that you know uh, are making good good decision, but also physical attributes that are going to help us be quick. And, and So I look at that. I look at the boys from the under-19s now. Yesterday we had an internal game with a lot of the under-19 boys because we've got six players away with national teams. And we, we, we played an internal. And at halftime, I went to our technical director and I said, wow, this was the best thing I did. He said, why? I've just seen another boy that I thought, he's got to come to the senior team. He's fantastic. You know, I love these touches. I love these decision making, and it, it got us excited. It got me excited. Like that—that's what it's about. This morning, I watched the under 17 Very similar again to the under 19s Same style of football: attacking, pressing, uh, players always playing out from the back, building up, looking to make attacking situations, score goals. I look at the younger team; it's exactly the same. So you can see that they've invested a lot of time and a lot of planning in what they're doing with their academy. And there's no secret to why they had five boys in the under-20s. They're doing a damn good job at that level in terms of a very clear philosophy, a very clear understanding of the way we want to work, the type of coaches we want to develop these boys. It's all connected and it, it, it's all in one flow. That That is the reason why you know, you're getting some of these boys coming through the senior team. And it's going to continue because it's also a philosophy of the club. But yeah, you, you can see that a lot more uh, Israeli players are playing in Israel. You only get six foreigner players, and that helps the Israeli national team as well. And that's one thing that we spoke about, even with John Benchkip and the, and the Federation at our time while we were in Greece, that they've got to change somehow a rule that says, and I know because Greece is in Europe and they're, they're allowing a certain number of Europeans can go and play with a European passport, but there should be a rule in place that says you've got to have a certain amount of Greeks, you've got to have a certain amount of young players on the bench to give that opportunity and grow the game. And that's what's happening here. There's an opportunity for Israeli players to play and younger players are playing. And every club's got, you know, a good batch of young players. And that pathway that you're seeing there from the 17s to the 19s to the first team, that's got to be one of the most rewarding aspects of being a manager. And yes, I know the pressure is to win now, but yeah. surely it's a little bit of, wow, what have I got on my hands in a year's yeah. time? Two, three, four. It's got to be amazing. But, but you know what, I think that's one of the reasons probably why I am here as well, because they know that I like that aspect of the club as well and that I've worked with many youth players in the past, whether it was from Madeleine United days or, you know, being in Holland or, or in Belgium, it was the same. So 
I've, it's part of my philosophy. It's part of what I like doing. And because you heard me earlier, I love the passion of the young players coming through an academy and, and playing for the badge, playing for, I think it's a big part. And it's a very important part if you want to have uh, long-term success and sustainable success. So when you look at the, the club here in the last 10 years, it hasn't been successful for such a big club that is historical and in the past was the number one club. Yeah. You, you've got to change a little bit the way you think and, and, re-put the foundations in, they, you know, it starts all over again. That cycle starts again. And and I love that part. Like this morning, you know, the training session finished with the senior team and I went and watched the 17s and I absolutely loved it. But but also the, the, the academy coaches love it and the academy kids love it. And they, it, it's great just to sit there and they come and they come and say hello. They want to take photos. They love that you're there. And, and it just bridges that connection then that, hey, this is why you're here because you're coming, you know, you're working to come to us and we want that connection. And, and we're going to start working a little bit more even here with the academy where the senior coaches are working with 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 certain teams once a once a month as well yeah we, it, there's a big idea in terms of the work we want to do there as well and and that big connection so that everyone understands that you know it is part of our philosophy and and we want to work with with the youth players as well and i dare say that there'd be a few Harperwell Tel Aviv supporters within the academy as well and do you put some waiting behind that as well being boyhood supporters of the club yeah of course of course it's fantastic you know and I, I like I like uh, I've been to a few games now and, and seeing our grandstand with with the supporters not only the parents there's some supporters there and they make a bit of noise and when the goal goes in the, you know the, the players run and celebrate towards the grandstand it's not a huge grandstand but it's a grandstand there's there's supporters there and and that starts to to create, you know, a feeling of what it might be like in the future for them, and it's fantastic. But I like that they're right behind it, and that's—I said at the beginning—that's one of the things that I absolutely love. The passion. I'm a passionate guy. I'm passionate about football. I'm passionate about a certain way of playing. I'm passionate of, from a young kid. That's the way I played it, and that's that's the way I coach it. And it just the club suited in terms of the way the people are about this club, and I, I, I love the way they are. Sometimes, yeah, they're demanding and they want to win, but. I'm demanding on myself and I want to win. So it, it's a perfect fit. So, Michael, now's the time for you to, to uh, you know, you can bag your crosstown rivals in Maccabi Tel Aviv if you want. <laughs> but <laughs> you've got to got... or else will be in the media very quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, next coming up soon. Yes, I was going to say, it's a couple of rounds away, if I'm not mistaken. And there's one, Robbie Keane, that's uh, going to be on the other technical uh, uh, bed, sure, in the other technical yep. area. And um, I know there's been, been a bit of uh, made from his aspect, but um, you're obviously looking forward to that derby coming up because that, that would be a huge, you know, a huge derby there from what I understand. You know, you know what? It, it's been absolutely crazy. From the first day I came and I was introduced and we had our first training session and the first training session of the year, they told me, don't plan for it. And I said, why? Of course I'm going to plan for it. Okay. They said, don't plan for it. It's not going to work. What do you mean? It's it's not going to happen. You're actually going to walk on the pitch and there's going to be like 5,000 supporters that are just going to go, come in, lift up the players in the air, celebrate. There'll be flares. There'll be, and that's what happened. And I walked in as well and everyone was coming up to me and all they kept saying was, the derby, win the derby, win the derby. We don't care anything else. Because it's been about eight years. It's been about eight years since we've won the derby. So it's been like, it's not only the disappointment of winning silverware, it's been the disappointment that the biggest rival we, we haven't beaten in the last eight years. So that's that's been huge. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I've been told uh, the week leading up to it's going to be quite fascinating and, mm. and quite different for me. So but, but the thing is that, and, and you know, you might say, okay, you're, you're talking like a coach again, but, this week we got Bersheva. Yeah, was top four last season. 
Then we've got Maccabi. Then we've got our biggest rival. Uh, it's like a political rival, Beitar yep. Jerusalem. Beitar, yeah. So we've got three huge games coming up, really huge games. So our, our draw hasn't been uh, the most easiest of draws to come into Israel in this dynamic league that you know, with a club that's absolutely passionate about winning. But but I look at it as a, a really good opportunity to to make a stance and say, okay, we're here, we're back. And it's not going to be easy. We know that because we're playing away to Beitar uh, in the coming week, home to Maccabi, and then uh, away to Beta Jerusalem, which I've been told is going to be a completely different experience that I've never had before in my life. <laughs> and and I went to watch uh, Beta play Bulk uh, yep. for one of the European games. And yes, I, the crowd was the atmosphere was amazing. They absolutely crap. So it sort of prepared me a little bit of what. And and when I came back and I told them, oh, I saw what it's like. They said, no, 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 no. Wait till Hubble <laughs> goes in. It's kind of, it's completely different. So we've we've got a big month coming up. But one that's I'm really look, looking forward to the challenge, and hopefully we can make a stance. But yeah, Maccabi is all they talk about here. This game is absolutely huge, and we often see some of the biggest rivalries around the world are ones that are not only either geographical or competitive, but also have that extra little spice in it, be it political, be it religious background, or anything of that nature. There's a fair few around. I'm really excited to see how this unfolds and what yeah. it'll be like for you to be in the stadium. It's really fascinating. Yeah, look, already I can tell you now that when you walk out as a coach of the Hubwells at Bloomfield with the crowd that we've got, look, we, we had pre-season games and we probably had the most crowd, even more than Maccabi at our games. And they're like pre-season friendlies. They don't stop. They don't stop singing. The atmosphere is absolutely amazing. And even with Natanya, the, the, the energy level just rose to another level because we were playing you know, really attacking and we're really intense and their intensity lifted as well. So, look, like I said to the players before the game, you, you've got to be so grateful. You're so lucky to be playing for a club like this because it's, a, you know, like one of the most historical clubs, one of the most successful clubs with a crowd like this. I'd give anything to be able to put boots on again. Just go out there, enjoy yourself. Play the football we play at training and just go out there, enjoy yourself and let let the crowd take you on a journey as well because they're, they're absolutely amazing. You know, when, when they say 12th man, I don't know, look, You'll, you'll find it a lot in the EPL and mm. Bundesliga and La Liga, these sorts of... But, yeah, what what I've um, experienced so far with our crowd is absolutely amazing. And I'm really looking forward to these big, big games that are coming up because I know <laughs> I know how much they're waiting for it as well and I, and I know how loud and what they're going to be like leading up to that game. So, Michael, um, we know you, you, you're busy with um, uh, with uh, Hapoel there and in your current roles, but... Do you have much of a chance to catch up with the football scene here in Australia? Have you been able to keep in touch with what's happening here? And you know, um, aside, you know, do you get chance to watch any of the A League when it's on, or do you, how does how do you find trying to keep in touch yeah, with look, what's going well, on here? Yeah, I tend to watch a lot of the A League games. I'd put on my cup of coffee and I'd sit down and I'd watch it. And a lot of times, my boys would love to get up and watch Adelaide United because they're South Australians. I might be a Melbourneian. I was born in Melbourne, but all my sons, all four of them were born in South Australia, in Adelaide, and they're red, red supporters. So I can say, even though it's a football pocket, whether Adelaide United's on or Collingwood, the Magpies are on, they're up watching and we're up watching and we're up supporting and we're, we're looking. And that's how we, um, we we connect again with, with Australia and Australian sports. So yeah, I tend to watch the A-League. I like it because, okay, that's that's where we come from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you feel that connection and you want to see what's going on. There's a lot of people that, that 
I've worked with that are coaching or there's guys I know that I, I coach that are still playing. So it's nice to keep updated. And it's always nice checking out talent because you never know what, what can come up. And, and in particular with this, with, with the league here, I, I've already spoken to my technical director. It's a mark that we definitely have to have a look at because one thing you do get from Australians, there's no doubt about it, you get a, you get a really tough mental component, a winner's component that, and everyone knows it. Eh? Everyone talks about it in Europe. That the winning mentality that Australians have got, or when their backs against the wall, that they, they tend to rise, and we're fearful of, of playing. And no one, it doesn't really matter. We've got that; it's in our nature, and we're, we're we're physically strong, and we're and I think the the football, you know, over the last ten years has has. I know there's a lot of criticism in the past, you know, about the curriculum. This I tend to go the other way. I don't I don't criticise like that. I don't I don't believe that. And there's there's been a lot of positives and and some negatives with everything you do. There's going to be some negatives, and you've got to tend to find more of the positives and what it's done for a game. And, and I look now um, at the amount of young boys playing in European academies. Geez, I'm excited of the next batch of soccer who's coming through in the next five to eight years. I'm telling you because there's a lot of young talent starting. And when did that last happen? Have a think of when it last happened that we had young players like 16, 17 year olds playing in really good teams in England, like the Kales, like the Kills and so on. So looking at how many young players, and that's, where's that come from? It hasn't, Harry Potter hasn't come along, done his, uh, <laughs> his wand and all of a sudden there's all these Australians. It's, it's also come through the process that we put in place, the curriculum that was put in place to technically make players better. So I know there's been a lot of uh, pessimistic people complaining about what the Dutch had done in the curriculum and so on. And we, we, we have lots, but there's a, a lot of players now at good academy sides all over Europe and watch out on what's going to come. So, you know, when, when you plant that seed, no one tends to notice and no one cares. But one day, you know, that's going to grow into a, a tree that's going to give us the shade and so on. And, and then everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, remember when that happened? Yeah, well, that's we're used to it because we're coaches. And whenever it happens, no one ever tends to take notice. And they say, oh, look at this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then, you know, five years later they tell, or ten years later, they say, oh, that, that guy, yeah, he did the right thing. So, yeah, I went off track again. You guys are doing it too. Yeah, but, <laughs> um, but that's my Australian in me because – I believe in them. I believe in, in the Australian player. I believe in the Australian coach. And, yeah, I wish we were a lot closer sometimes because we are on the other side of the world. Yeah. But, yeah, we, we've got a lot of talent as well, a lot of talent with a great mentality. And as an Adelaide United Premiership winner, it would be remiss of me not to ask you about the big story for today with Adelaide mm. United, with Craig Goodwin heading a lot closer to you, maybe not quite your way, but near enough. And headed off to Saudi Arabia. What do you make of that? Yeah. And given that it is relatively so close to the start of the new season. Yeah, look, he's been absolutely amazing for Adelaide United, hasn't he? He's he's made a big difference and, and good. He's a very good player, a really good player. Um, it's going to be difficult to replace him because I think he makes such a big difference to the Adelaide United team. And it's, it, look, it's, it's not great that the league will be starting soon. You're not going to find easily a replacement for for Goody. That's that's the truth. But look, he's also you know he's had an, an amazing last season. And I was even reading it before and into all the things he achieved last year and so mm. on. He's he's been a really good player for Adelaide United. And he's had his stints abroad and he's come back and so on. And and look, I'm not quite sure exactly how old he is now, but he'd also be looking at you know. His career's winding towards the end, and he'll be looking at having, you know, going to Saudi. It's, it, you know, a lot of big names are going to Saudi at the moment, so it's going to be another completely uh, different experience for him. And 
So, look, he's got to look after himself as well. It's not great for Adelaide United losing such a good player, but from a personal point of view, he's got to do what's best for him and what opportunities he gets as a player. So he's got to do what's right for his family. But it's it's going to be an interesting one for Adelaide United because I think he makes a, a huge difference to the way that team plays. Michael, we wanted to thank you for joining us on the back peg. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you on and, and talk about your journey so far. And we wanted to wish you all the best with Hapoa Tel Aviv. Um, not only for the derby that's coming up, but for the rest of the season, yeah. and uh, wish you all thanks, every man. success. And uh, it's great to see you um, on this stage as well. And thanks again for your time. You've been very generous. No, thank you very much. I enjoyed chatting with you guys, even though I went off track sometimes. It's just a little bit my passion as well uh, about the topics that we speak about. <laughs> I love football. And I love uh, uh, coaching and and players as well. So thank you for the opportunity and your support. And uh, yalla hapoel. Michael, it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't go off track ourselves, I can tell you. So no, you, fit, you fit right in. So no, thank you again. Thanks, guys. No, thank you very much. 